Hare Krishna, everyone. This is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology, and it is Bhakti Wednesday today. So we are sitting down to take a question from the audience. Uh, I had two questions come in in the past week that were very similar, and the nature of the question has to do with spiritual practice. Um, you guys who watch my channel for a while know that I'm a big advocate of creating and maintaining, fostering, cultivating, nourishing a daily spiritual practice. Um, both emails that came in for the Bhakti Q&A in the Bhakti Q&A mailbox said something along these lines. I struggle to make spiritual practice something other than a conscious effort. It feels like I'm always struggling and having to put in effort to do it. And it, you know, I don't want it to be like that. So if I'm struggling to enjoy or just um, even just keep a rhythm and not feel uh, like it's such a struggle. What do I do? What do I do? Why does this, you know, spiritual practice something I'm supposed to feel good, supposed to make me feel good, it's supposed to be good for me, yet it's such a struggle. Why is that? What do I do? And the other one was along the same lines. Uh, I get bored. Um, I don't see any results. And how can I make the, these practices um, more of a part of who I am and less of something that I'm always feel like I'm working on but you know struggling with because i've got my prayer beads right here um so i i thought yeah let's look at the top three problems over the years you know being a yoga studio owner and um you know uh being someone who has encouraged my astrology students to practice daily as astrologers or to include a spiritual practice what are the top three problems that i hear people uh share with me when it comes to starting maintaining or getting the most out of a spiritual practice, whatever it may be. And what are some solutions that I've observed or heard from my teachers or have been able to, um, what are some of the solutions I found for myself? So, um, and I speak as someone, by the way, who is not like, I have a daily spiritual practice. It's very important to me, but it is not like I love it every day. It's not that I don't ever get bored or that it isn't ever a conscious effort or, um, that, you know, that it's, it's always a part of my life that, I mean, I have struggles with it, you know? Um, so, uh, I don't share it, uh, you know, presuming that I've arrived somewhere, right. It's just, I'm still doing it. So, um, you know, after many years of, of trial and error, these are some of the things that I've observed that have helped me that have helped, uh, others, students and, um, yoga students and so forth. Um, and hopefully they're applicable. Hopefully they help you. Um, so here's the top three problems that I noticed. Let's start with that. These are the top three problems that I hear people encountering when they're trying to establish a daily, like a spiritual lifestyle or a daily spiritual practice of some kind. One is I get bored. Well, this is pretty common. People will say, you know, it's just, I don't like doing the same thing over and over again, or, um, I, I get, I, I'm bored. I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of this. It's just kind of like a boring routine. Fair enough. That's problem number one. Problem number two is I don't like the feeling of it being a conscious effort, which means you don't like feeling like you're struggling with it. I'm struggling to do it. I'm struggling to like it. I'm struggling to make it happen. I'm, you know, so just the, the feeling of it's not like just a part of my life that I love and, and it has a sp special place. It's, it's this conscious effort, you know. 
fair. That's a totally fair complaint or <laughs> challenge to, you know, to, to be dealing with in trying to have or maintain a spiritual practice. And number three, I don't see any results or I'm similar to this would be, I'm not sure what the point of this is. Like, why am I doing this? I'm not seeing any results. So these three are the things I hear the most. I get bored. I don't like the feeling of it being a, a conscious effort, or I'm not even sure why I'm doing this, or I don't feel like I'm getting any results. So there are, to me, there are, there are each one of these we could talk about at length, but I'm just going to give you the top three solutions now that I have found to these issues in order. So with, I get bored, really any of these are applicable as solutions that could address all three, but I'll take them in order. So I get bored, number one, understanding your religious psychology. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that everyone uh, acts according to their own constitution, their own um, nature, and everyone has a very particular kind of faith. Um, to me, if we are going to create a spiritual uh, lifestyle, it has to be centered around what what comes naturally to us. Not that every not that there isn't effort required. Not that there aren't some blood, sweat, and tears that go into spiritual growth or a spiritual practice. But we shouldn't be um, going against the grain so much in our spiritual practice that we are somehow discarding, discounting, or not taking our own religious psychology into consideration. Um, everyone is going to have a different way in uh, bhakti yoga speak to connect with the divine, to connect with our source. Uh, sometimes we refer to that in you know different names, but um, whatever name works for you, it's that, to me, I think of it sometimes as the soul of my soul, you know, that, that deep, sense of self, that deep sense of who I am that's mysterious, but you can't mistake it when you're feeling deeply connected to it. To tend to that space, to listen to it, to make sure that its presence is felt in our everyday life, in part means that we have to um, nurture it. Uh, and, you know, that means nurturing a, a very specific religious psychology. So, you know, sometimes that what, what I mean by that is understanding what 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 things, what activities uh, help you to connect to God or to the divine. Um, I think it's different for everyone. I, I personally am not someone who believes that, you know, the Indian cultural uh, framework of bhakti yoga uh, is the only framework through which one can do bhakti yoga. <laughs> you know, that bhakti is really a universal experience of uh, devotion. So uh, devotional love of the divine, uh, how do we foster that in our lives? What devotional practices uh, make you feel, help you to feel aligned and connected with source? Uh, and it's, I think one of the things that happens is we take up a practice, uh, or a path thinking, well, I need one, you know, I'd like to have some kind of rhythm and life, some spiritual, you know, uh, hygiene or daily, uh, daily, um, 
practices or habits, but I haven't taken into consideration, you know, I haven't really sat down and gone like, what do I love? Like what really makes, helps me to feel connected? For example, um, am I someone who likes to sit in, in silence? Uh, you know, I've been going to Quaker services lately and it's been a wonderful devotional compliment to my bhakti yoga practices. Uh, the Quakers love to sit in silence and listen for that still quiet voice, um, that of God in everyone. They get together and literally just listen for God quietly. Is that something that would work for you? Sitting quietly, listening, waiting, attending to that, that, that stillness within, the small quiet places where the divine speaks in secret? You know, is it, or is it walking meditation? I think of Thich Nhat Hanh, who, uh, you know, often would be walking through Plum Village with his students doing mindful walking. Is it taking a walk in nature? You know, is it journaling? Is it dance? Is it, you know, where is it that we surrender our heart and soul and make that intentional connection? And what, what, where is a space where, you know, there's probably always going to be an edge. Like, it's not always going to be easy. You're not always going to love it. But we should be very careful that the the way in which we connect to God is uh, true to our own nature, true to what makes us unique. We're made in the image of the divine. Every one of us is a divine creature, and yet we have personality. We're really unique. We're not trying to be to eradicate the uniqueness of our character. So our spiritual practice should reflect something about who we are. And I think that oftentimes when people get bored, it's because they're trying to align themselves with some kind of spiritual activity that maybe either isn't the right one or isn't tailored or personalized in the right way, you know? So for me, for example, mantra meditation, I find that I really like walking uh, with my mantra meditation and being out in nature. It's like easily, I, I don't, when I sit down, to meditate, all of the images of like austerity and sitting and, you know, I can do it and I like it. It's fine. But I really feel like I drop in and really start to connect through the mantra is um, walking in nature. So whatever activities you choose, I think they have to be reflective uh, and, and honoring of your personality. And that's probably why a lot of people get bored, honestly, is because they're thinking, I ought to do this. I should do this. It looks a certain way, and then it'll feel a certain way. And it's like, you know, let, let your heart love what it loves and move your spiritual practice through the current of that personality. Number two, I don't like the feeling of it being a conscious effort. Well, um, honestly, even if the, if I think if you've done number one and you've found practices that are reflective of your own, you know, unique, like spiritual aesthetic, you know, then I think you're in a lot better shape right away in terms of it being a conscious effort. Cause it's like, it's, it doesn't feel like a conscious effort when you've refined things to match your personality. You know, it, it's like whatever you're doing, prayer, meditation, uh, journaling, walking, dancing, something every day to just go inward and um, receive, connect, commune, cultivate devotion. Uh, you know, you're going to feel better probably if you've done that. But it takes 
a long time for practice to become a way of life. Uh, it's the, the way that I would, here's how I would compare it. I remember when I first moved in with my wife in sharing a, a living space together, it took, I don't know, probably a year at least for it to feel not like two individual people who had been living individual lives to create a shared space. It just, it, it was, it took a while before it felt like, oh, I live with this person. We live together and, you know, now we have a home together and it's like our home. That, that took a while. It felt like, um, I'm a, I'm like a, you know, I was a previously sort of like bachelor single person who had my own apartment. I was living in Harlem, you know, before I moved down to DC. I was like, okay, well, uh, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't say, well, I'm, you know, I guess this isn't working, you know, just because it feels a little awkward living with someone. You say, well, I, I, if I really like the person, I trust that in time, we're just, it's, we're going to start feeling at home and this is, it's going to feel less awkward and unnatural. And suddenly, you know, and then years later now, you know, it's like, I couldn't living with my wife now is just like a, a, simple fact of life, you know, it's like, she's my home, she's my family. And uh, I can't even bear I can barely remember when it wasn't so, you know. So it takes time for any kind of spiritual practice to become f deeply familiar to us, like an like, it, not just weeks, not like a 40 day challenge, you know, or a, this year is the year of meditation. And we're talking about like, I don't know, as I'm as I've been someone who has had daily spiritual practices for the better part of, you know, 15, 16 years, but as it's become very, very consistent over the last five or six, what I can reflect on is that um, spiritual practice for me now is exactly the same. It's I it's just an everyday part of my life. It's part of my lifestyle. <clears throat> doesn't mean that there aren't days where it's a conscious effort. It's just that the conscious effort itself has become normalized. It's just part of the landscape of spiritual life. Um, in the same way that just because I'm familiar with my wife and living with her doesn't mean that there aren't days where it doesn't, it's not a conscious effort to live with someone. But that conscious effort is now just a feature of the landscape of living with someone. And I love it. You know, it's like, it's a struggle that I'm familiar with. So it's not about conscious effort ever going away either. It's about the conscious effort aspect of spiritual practice being as familiar as the days when it's easy and natural. And that can't happen unless we're consistent, relatively speaking, consistent is, you know, it's going to look different for everybody, but more or less, that means we have spiritual activities that are part of our life over a long period of time, like many years. And when you're in the beginning, it's the same thing of move, you know, as moving in with someone. It's not going to feel totally natural. The, so the feeling of it being a conscious effort is uh, is there, maybe amplified a little bit more because you're thinking, well, when it's not a spiritual, when it's not a conscious effort, then it will be natural, and then I will feel good about it. And that's not really how it works. It's like, no, over three or four years of involving spiritual activities somewhat regularly, the conscious effort that comes along with it will become normalized and familiar to you and the joys and the ups and downs of it become like a friend 
you know, just like there's ups and downs with my kids every day, you know, or anything else. But you start to love and appreciate the ups and downs as just a part of what it means to have a spiritual practice. Because the truth is that we are dynamic living beings, our emotions, the relationship we have with God, with source, with other people, with nature, within our own minds is ever moving. It's not meant to move into some kind of static place where it never changes or gets perfect or it arrives somewhere. It's that the tending to a spiritual life is the tending to relationships, plural. And so we tend to the inner relationship every day and in these different ways, we're going to feel ups and downs. But if we can remove that idea that conscious, that it will be a spiritual practice will be great once there's not a conscious effort involved. Conscious effort is just part of it. <clears throat> and it takes time for practice to feel more familiar. And when it does, there will still be conscious effort, but you'll be friends with it. And you just have to like live through that part of the process for years. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, this austere, like, okay, every day I do this and eventually I'll get here and, you know, like l loosen it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Just let yourself be like, Spiritual activities are part of my life. I'm going to keep trying to make them part of my life. And over time, they'll also become more consistent. And then the ups and downs will be more familiar. And, you know, you won't be in your head so much about when is it not going to feel like a conscious effort? That's usually just a symptom of being very early on and getting to know your spirituality um, and not, you know, or your spiritual practice or whatever. Not that, you know, you're more or less spiritual than anyone. It's just, as we're getting to know ourselves, we, we're, you know, we've got a new, we've got a new roommate. It's called our spiritual self, you know, and it's like, we got to get used to it. So, all right, not to labor the point too much here. Number three, I said, I don't see any results. That was the problem. Well, the answer might be spiritual practice should slowly move us away from goal-oriented consciousness itself. But this result in particular, but these results, you could say, they take time. Uh, so let's just see here. I think there was a small typo there. I'm just going to fix it. There we go. So spiritual practice should slowly move us away from goal-oriented consciousness. But this result in and of itself, it is a kind of result to be moving away from goal-oriented consciousness. That result takes steadiness over a long period of time. So Patanjali in the Yoga Sutras says that there are a few things that are required. I'm sort of paraphrasing here. He says that we need, you know, an earnest effort, I mean, devoted effort uh, over a long period of time, consistently without interruption. So we have to, whatever spiritual things we bring into our life, and they don't have to be the same every day either. I'll talk about that more in a second, but spirit, let's just call it spiritual activity on the daily. Um, over a long period of time is what it's doing is it's trying, you know, it's working on us so that we are gradually moving away from thinking that all of this is leading us to some kind of final goal. And instead, it's cultivating within us an appreciation for life, for the daily, for the now, for the present. The now doesn't mean that we deny the existence of a past or a future either. It just means that we're not our our whole the whole point of spiritual life is not to quote get us somewhere. It's about to um, improve and enhance happiness in in life right now. And uh, you know it's sort of like heaven is right here. You know it's not just out there somewhere. It's also right here. 
Um, so spiritual practice is helping us move away from thinking my efforts, my practice perfect me and get me somewhere. So oftentimes when people are like, I don't see any results, I don't see any results. What's happening is the goal oriented part of the mind is sort of stamping its feet being like spiritual practice isn't getting me somewhere that I want to go. No. And in fact, spiritual practice is often about frustrating and exhausting that voice, that demand, that impatience, that uh, goal oriented aspect. And it's about frustrating it and exhausting it till it just says, well, maybe there's nowhere to go. Maybe there's nowhere to get to. Maybe there's people to love. Maybe there's things to tend to with devotion and care. Maybe there's things to explore with curiosity. Maybe there's mystery to be unpacked. Maybe there's divine love to be experienced, to be given and received. Now, and and maybe, you know, it's like, who knows what comes, if we stay in that space, right? It's In a sense, it doesn't really matter what comes next. Um, so, ironically, the result of non-goal-oriented thinking requires that we have a spiritual practice over a long period of time. It's like seeing a little plant in a garden grow. It takes time. It takes time for that plant to blossom and show its fruit. So similarly, becoming more loving, more present, more steady, more appreciative, with more gratitude in the present, not in some weird spacey denial of the past or future, just just an embodied being whose today and happiness today and love today is the focus, right? You don't get too far from that. That ironically, being in that space, cultivating that kind of experience, that takes time. It takes our spiritual activities becoming a daily part of our life over time. Slowly, if there is any goal, it's that it starts eliminating from us the impatient, the ambitious sense of like, well, I'm doing all of this to get somewhere because I'm not good enough or things aren't good enough and I need to, they need to be better. So in a sense, it's like spiritual practice slowly and gradually burns off the underlying uh, desire that spirituality give us something, get me somewhere. Ironically, that takes time. It's like, you, you know, you, you see if there's a seed underneath the soil and you're watering it, watering it, watering it. And, you know, in my experience, it takes years. Um, I'm, I feel very young in my spiritual practice insofar as I'm only five, six, somewhere in there years of daily practice, daily watering, daily lifestyle. It, it, you know, the, 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 some of these insights I'm sharing, you know, I, I can, I can see, 10 more years of this. Wow. You know, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so excited, but not because there's somewhere I have to get just because I know that if I keep watering this thing, a lot of the results, they, they take years, months, years to start really appearing. So you also have to trust the process. You have to trust that conscious effort is a part of it. You have to trust the nature of your own, bring your own personality to bear on your, on your spiritual activities and try to uh, move away from thinking about results and, in and instead trusting that good things take long periods of time and that we're the, pro the process of spiritual practice is also moving us away from, you know, effort and ambition and goals. And it's, in a sense, it's dissolving some of that. And the mind will 
have to burn through that in a way along as it goes, ironically. So those are some of the things I have to say. Also, you know, people sometimes struggle when they go like, I don't know what the purpose of all of this is. Um, I encourage you to think about spiritual spirituality like you would think about love. Uh, when you meet someone that you really love, do you think to yourself, well, what is the purpose of this love? You know, what will it accomplish? Why am I doing this? Where will it get me? The great thing about love is that love doesn't need the heart. The heart doesn't need any of those answers prior to, to just following the call of love. It's like, well, why would you follow love? Because it's love, <laughs> you know, because when you, when you meet someone and you're like, well, they're beautiful and interesting and I like spending time with them. And the, the, there is no goal other than the experience of sharing with that person of cultivating intimacy and growing close and sharing connection and, and loving and being affectionate and being romantic. And so, and you don't, if you're really in love, you know, it's, it's sort of secondary. Like when I, when I work with people in astrology sessions and they come in, they're like, okay, well, I want kids and I want a marriage and I want a house. And I've had all these goals since I was a kid. And I want to know when I'm going to get them. I'm always like that the problem with that, not that any of those desires are bad, right? I'm not going to judge someone for what their heart wants, but it's like, make sure that those things don't come in front of the experience of actually falling in love with a person. Let those things, I mean, those are your hopes, your wishes, but let them be, you know, don't put the cart before the horse. Let those be the things that blossom as sort of like byproducts potentially of meeting someone that you love, that loves you. So I tell people that all the time in my astrology practice. It's basic, you know. I think we've been probably telling each other that kind of stuff since junior high. Love a person, not where they get you or what will come from it. And, um, you know, in a sense, all of Krishna Bhakti is about that same kind of love. I mean, the pinnacle of love in Bhakti Yoga is like a country, a countryside, small town romance between a girl and a boy, Krishna and Radha, two aspects of the divine. Um, so similarly, like spiritual life is, you know, if you can think about it in terms of like, why am I doing this? You know, why am I, what am I doing this? What am I going to get out of it? You're doing it for the sake of love. It's something that you're, you're going to fall in love with. And just like a relationship, you know, you don't put demands on where it goes or what it gives you. You just love the person and they love you. And the joy is the, the adventure of the relationship itself, the intimacy and how it grows and where it flows, especially when it's unknown. That, that same, you know, call of the heart is at the core of what it means to fall in love with the soul of your soul, with yourself, with the divine, and by extension, all beings around you. You know, you start seeing that same thing in them. This is why, you know, Jesus in the Christian tradition taught love of God, number one, love of others extending from it. It's a, So why am I doing this? To fall in love, to fall in love with the mystery of my own being and to fall in love with others in life and to live a life that is just saturated with um, love. That's why, I'm do that's why I'm doing it. And, um, you know, that can sometimes take the pressure off from us too when you're like, I don't see any results. It's such a conscious effort. I'm bored. I'm, you know, it's like so much of those things come from the underlying 
um, demands that we're making that this be something, that it go somewhere, that it, you know, like all of that. And those are the same demands that when we place on a relationship tend to um, not yield good results. We try to bend or shape the person to be what we want, or we try to get something out of the relationship. And, you know, when we lose the primary focus on love and intimacy and relationship, uh, everything else starts to fall apart because it all starts crumbling under the burden of our expectations and so forth. So it's the same thing with spiritual practice as far as I've learned. Anyway, that's what I've got for today. I hope that this was helpful for all of you and thank you for submitting the questions. If you have any questions you'd like me to see, you'd like to see covered on Bhakti Wednesday, email us info at nightlightastrology.com and put Bhakti Q&A in the subject line. All right, that's what I've got for today. I hope you're all doing well and that this was useful for you. Hare Krishna.